Amen. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, you, you heard already, but I am John. I'm one of the associates here at Joy. Uh, if you're a guest with us, our senior pastor is Pastor Brian Gobar. Uh, he was the one up there singing today. Actually, he led us in that last song. So that's our pastor. I encourage you to come back if you're a guest. Uh, ch- check us out again, you know. Uh, we believe that there's a place for everyone, and we believe you should find your place, get planted, and you'll grow. Amen. That's our belief at Joy Christian Center. So uh, welcome if you're a guest. If you're not a guest, well, then you probably know me already, and we're going to have some fun. Uh, God's got some good things for you today. Uh, personally, myself, as I sit and, and get ready, I, I'm usually enjoying the worship, and it's kind of funny because as someone who just enjoys the worship at this church, sometimes I kind of get lost in that, and it's like, wait, i got to go preach. So anyway, I just enjoy the worship. Worship team, thank you for what you do. We are in week two of Because... And uh, Pastor Brian launched the series last week, and um, really the premise of the series is there are things that I can say, but I can say them because God said something first. There are things that I can do and live, but I can do them because of what God already did. That's the whole premise of because. And uh, one of the things he last week shared, and and, uh, I just want to mention, you'll get it on your way out. Uh, but there's a magnet. He did a confession yet last week, and I'll talk about what that is and what that isn't uh, in just a second. But he, he talked about this, and uh, as you leave today, you'll get this. We encourage you to put it on your refrigerator, put it somewhere, and um, it doesn't do any good if it just sits there. The idea is say this, and he challenged us, say it every day for 30 days. Say it during the series. Um, one of the things that we know, and nothing on here isn't biblical truth, and what I mean is you might be saying it, but yet, you don't believe it yet here. But I'm telling you right now that if you begin to say it, and you'll begin to meditate on it, God's truth, eventually, what's he, what you're saying, what you're meditating on, the Holy Spirit will bring to light, and it will begin to be a truth in you. That's how he works. That's what he does. God watches over his word to perform it. So give him something to work with. Now, the fun thing was, he mentioned, and I'm going to give the last part. Go ahead and put up that last part. He says, um, the end of this confession is, because Jesus lives in me, and I'm going to go through them real quick, I'm a loving person. Because Jesus lives in me, I have self-control. Because Jesus lives in me, I'm a patient person. Because Jesus lives in me, I'm a joyful person. Because Jesus lives in me, I'm a gentle person. Because Jesus lives in me, I'm a good person. Because Jesus lives in me, I'm a faithful person. And what he said is, he used the example, if you, if you say this and you begin to meditate on this, pretty soon the truth of God comes alive in you, and you will have an experience in the middle of your week that would tempt you to respond out of self. But rather than responding out of self, you recognize and go, wait, because Jesus lives in me, I'm a patient person. And you respond with patience. The beauty of that is this, yeah, you get to enjoy it because you know it's God because you're like, I never would have done that before. No, you know it's God because you wouldn't have done it before. But the beauty is the people around you get to eat that fruit of the spirit that comes out of you. They then get to enjoy something that God produced in you and they get to be the benefactor. Woo, that's powerful stuff. Get a magnet, all right? Get a magnet. Um, Husbands and wives... Don't fight over them, get two. Because if Jesus lives in you, you're a loving person. Hallelujah. Glory, I'm just teasing. Um, 
One of the other things that Pastor Brian talked about last week uh, was the story. If you were here, if you didn't hear it, you can go online and listen to it. But he talked about um, the story of the Hebrew children who were taken captive and brought to Babylon. They were taken out of Israel and brought to Babylon. And the Babylonians began to uh, do what, what I'm calling the uh, attempted, or he even called probably, the great attempted identity theft. They took the Jewish people, they brought them over to Babylon, and then one of the things that they did is they looked for and began to identify the young men among, among them who could speak well, who carried themselves well. Um, in, in a sense, and I don't know if the Bible doesn't use this word, but they, what they were looking for was, in some ways, the leaders of the Jewish men. Because what they wanted to do was take those men, it says, and they began to indoctrinate them into the ways of Babylon. They began to tell them lies, listen to this, they began to tell them lies, and they wanted them to begin to embrace those lies as truth. Simple things. And, and one of them that he used, and I, I, this was good to me, and I've heard of the Hebrew boys. I grew up in church, so I've heard of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, why I only learned, those are their Babylonian names. Those were the lies. Those were the new names. Because the old name, the, 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 not his old name, his real name, one of them was Hananiah. And Hananiah means God is gracious. God is full of grace. So think about that. Hananiah, from the time he was a baby, and they'd call his name, they would say to him, God is gracious. Every time they said his name, he was hearing, God is gracious. But when he got taken captive... They changed his name to Shadrach. And Shadrach means, I am fearful of God. And Pastor Brian shared how they wanted him to hear every single day when he heard his name. He was no longer hearing, God is full of grace. Yahweh is gracious. He was hearing, be afraid of God. Be afraid of God. Well, not only is that a lie of the Babylonians, they wanted him to eat. They wanted him to swallow hook, line, and sinker. That's a lie that the devil tells. Because I'm here to tell you today, Yahweh is gracious. Now, the beauty of, of those young men is they, and I liked how, I can't say it exactly how Pastor Brian did, but he, he said, in, in a way, what they said is to the Babylonians, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is Hananiah, you know, the real names, they said, we're not going to take in what you're feeding we're not going to absorb. We're not going to take in and eat what you tell us to eat. We're not going to believe the lies that we're hearing in our ears. We're going to hold on to that which is true. Now, that's an awesome story in itself. Later on, they're told to bow down to the king of Babylon, and they said, we will not bow down. We will not bow down. And then it says, okay, well, then you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. They threw three into the furnace. When they looked in the furnace, they were sitting there all cool and calculated, no heat, no worries. And there was four of them. You know who that fourth one was? That fourth one was Jesus Christ himself manifested in the furnace with the three Hebrew boys. Because I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ was here long before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because this was an attempted identity theft, but there was a great identity theft that occurred. And it actually happened long before those Hebrew boys. Because that's a great history of the Jewish people. But I'm here to tell you, anything you see in the Old Testament is a type and a shadow of something that is very real. Because there was an identity theft. It happened in the garden. The enemy came and he snatched away everything that God intended for mankind. He stole it and it wasn't attempted. It happened. 
There was a great lie told to humanity. One of those lies, he starts out with a lie like this. The thing about the devil is he knows the truth. So he takes part truth and he twists it. That's called wicked. That's where we get the word wicked. He twists the truth. Well, the truth that he first twisted was, I know God said if you eat it, you'll die. But if you eat it, you won't die. That was a lie. Because the minute they did what God asked them not to do, the minute they stepped out of God's plan, they ate of it, they died on the inside. The spirit part of them that God called Adam and Eve died. Humanity died. The great identity theft was complete at that moment. Whew. The devil, he's a liar. But he took some control that day. That's the great identity theft. That's the real identity theft. You know, it's funny because when we hear that story, we sometimes think, and I know we do because I did, but I didn't do anything. The Bible says later when it's talking about Jesus and the work that he did, which we'll talk about the redemption, it says this. One sin, and it affected all, but one shed his blood, and now it affected all. Ooh. Because you see, because you see, there was an identity theft that happened. Whatever was you that God called you was stolen. It was taken away. It was snatched. The devil stole it. You're dead spiritually without Jesus Christ. You're dead. That wasn't God's plan. Everybody say, not God's plan. <laughs> not God's plan. But don't think it didn't happen. And as I prayed this week, I had to say, don't think it didn't happen. Don't gloss over the fact that humanity, humanity separated from Jesus Christ, not receiving what he did, is lost and dead. The spirit of mankind is lost and dead without Jesus Christ. I want, I, want to, I want to tell you a story. I don't tell these stories often. I want to talk about when you're living a Shadrach life. You're living a life in fear of God, but you hear that there is a Hananiah life that you can embrace and hold on to. But you're living a Shadrach life. You're living a life in fear of God. But you hear from other people. You hear it from maybe your parents. You hear it from a preacher. You hear it from someone out in the streets. You hear it from someone in a grocery store that Yahweh is gracious. But you're living a Shadrach life. Now some of you are here. You're living a Shadrach life, meaning you didn't even know there was a Yahweh is gracious life. And today I want to encourage you to embrace what Jesus did and begin to live that Yahweh is gracious life that he created for you. But then there's some of you here. You follow Christ, but... but but you're living a Shadrach life. You're living in fear of God. You're living in sin. I've been here on staff for, I was thinking about in April, it would be 18 years on staff, but I was here before that. And I don't share a ton about my past and my upbringing all the time, although I do in circles. Circles are what we call small groups. And I often joke, because what happens in small groups? Thank you! And I share things sometimes in my circle, and I think these people are looking at me going, this guy's a pastor? So I don't share all these things, but I'm going to share something with you because it was a time in my life that transformed me in the sense of where I was headed. See, I was living for myself. I was living, I was in the mire. I just want to tell you this. I didn't think of it this way, but I was stuck in the mire. And the mire was selfishness. And the mire was drugs. And the mire was addiction. And some of the things that were happening in my life, I knew very well I put myself there. Because there comes a point where I was choosing to live in sin. I was choosing to go that way. I was stuck. I was stuck. I was angry. I was bitter. And you, you know, it's funny because I was a young person. 
But I, I, the enemy got a hold of me for whatever reason. He got a hold of me, and I began believing that lie early. I was a young man, 8, 9, 10 years old, and, and seeds were being sown of love, but seeds were also being sown of deceit, and I was believing the deceit, and I was living the deceit, and I was living, and I was in the mire, and I was stuck. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you're stuck. Maybe you're in a broken relationships. They're just broken. You know they're broke. You're wondering if God knows they're broke. You're stuck in debt. You're stuck in sin. You know it's sin, but you're stuck. And it's causing a life that is not well lived. It's being damaged and you're damaging others. I was having that kind of a life. And I remember one day I was with my family. And we were going somewhere. It was a family trip. My wife knows I love family trips to this day. <laughs> Well, that day I had my own prerogative. I had things I wanted to do, and they were all about me. They were all about self. Because when you're believing the lies, it's always about you. When you're living that loss, that's, that identity that the enemy gave you, it's always about you. It's always about self. Well, I was taught up in self, and I was angry. And I, honestly, I, I, I was probably high. I was probably messed up a little bit. I usually lived my life that way. And I was so bitter at my father, I began lashing out at my family. I began lashing out at my mother. I began lashing out at my brother. I remember thinking, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going where you want to go. And it was just a family trip. We were halfway there. And I remember we were at my sister's house. And I was so bitter. I lashed out at my father. And it was the first time I ever got physical with my dad. Now, before I go any further, my father was one of the meekest human beings I ever met. My father did nothing but paint a picture of a Jesus who loved me. But that didn't matter because I was all about self and I was angry. And I can still remember, I kicked that door open to my sister's house. I mean, I kicked it hard. I can almost still hear it. It slammed open. It probably broke. And I remember thinking, I'm gone. I'm out. I don't need you. Anybody ever been there in life? And I was angry. And I got blocks away and I heard my father's car. And I was ready to fight. And I looked over. My father had the car stopped. And my father stood there with his arms open. He didn't say anything. And I thought, who could do this? Who could do this? All I know is I walked up and I put my head in my father's chest, his bosom. And I began to weep. And my father wept and he held me. And all he said is, I love you. I love you. I love you. And it's funny because I look back on my life. Can I tell you, my life didn't change that day. My day changed. I spent the rest of the day with my family having fun, enjoying myself. But there were seeds being sown. I want you to hear this because you might be stuck. And I want to point you to the same God my father pointed for me because all my father was doing was sowing seeds of love. They were seeds of hope. My daddy was telling me in the best way he could, there's hope. My daddy was telling me in the best way he could, there is love. There's one who loves you. More than you could ever know because he doesn't love you based on what you do and don't do. He loves you based on who he is. My father was sowing seeds that say there is no price that God did not pay. He was sowing seeds in my life to tell me because here's what my daddy knew. My daddy knew he couldn't save me. My daddy knew it was going to take me receiving the redemption of Jesus Christ in order for my life to be changed and start living the life he wanted, not the life I wanted. So my daddy was sowing these seeds of love towards redemption. And one day, one day, my daddy's in heaven now, so is my mama. But they know that those seeds came to fruition. Why? Because one day I embraced the work of Jesus Christ fully. I said, enough is enough. I'm done living the lie. I'm done living the Shadrach kind of life. Yahweh is gracious. Oh, he loves you. Oh, he loves you. 
with a love you cannot comprehend. Glory be to God. I want to share with you about this redemption. You know, redemption, I was looking up the word and it means this. It means to pay a full price to regain possession of something. To pay a full price to regain something that was lost. A full price. I want you, everybody say full price. See, because here's the thing. I don't care what your mire is. I don't care what the sin is. I don't care what the deceit the enemy's telling you is. I got news for you. He paid the full price. Everything is paid for. Everything is paid for. We talked about the garden earlier. Genesis 3. You go read it. There's some, there's some powerful things in that story where the devil stole our identity. One of them is this, and it gives us a shadow. Because God was not caught off guard in the garden. God was not caught by surprise when the man that he created to be in complete fellowship with him turned their back on him, said yes to the devil's plan, and fell. God was not surprised. In Genesis 3.15 it says this, God spoke that day to the players. He said some things to Eve. He said some things to Adam. But he also said some things to the devil. One of the things he said is in Genesis 3.15. And it gives you a shadow of what God knew. It says, I will put enmity. It means I'll put a blockage or battle between you and the woman. Between you and her seed. And then he used this word, capital S, seed. He used this word, capital S, seed. He said, devil. Here's what he, I'm going to give you my translation. He said, devil. You did something here today. You bruised the foot of the man that I created. You did some damage. But I got one coming, capital S. It's going to be her seed, and he's going to come one day, and he's going to bust your head wide open. You look, that's what that says. Because God was not caught off guard. God said, I already have a plan before you stole what was mine. Here's some other proof in Ephesians. Paul, looking at the church, he says this. He says, this is how we know God had a plan before we had a problem. In Ephesians, he's talking about you and me, the church. And he says, just as he chose him before the foundations of the world. He chose Jesus before the foundations of the world to be the answer to the problem. Why? Why did he do that? So that we, me and you, could live a holy life without blame. Before God, I used to wear, when I was a youth pastor, I wore a shirt and it said, naked and unashamed. I can't wear that anymore. <laughs> People just think I'm weird. But it comes from a verse in Hebrews where it says, I now stand or sit before my God. I am not ashamed. I am not afraid. Why? Because he already paid the price. I can come before him to receive from Yahweh is gracious anytime I choose. Why? Because before the foundations of the world, before the devil could ever steal what he stole, he already paid the price to get me back and to get you back. Another one is in John. John the Baptist is out and he's baptizing the people and he's, and he's teaching about a, a baptism of repentance. And what he's telling them is turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your wicked ways and follow God. And they were coming out by the droves, the Bible says, to get water baptized. They're saying, I want to turn from my wicked ways. You go ahead and baptize me. And as he's doing that, he looks up and here comes Jesus. And then he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We're going to receive communion in a moment. 
but I want to share one more verse. It says this, and this is the one you need to hang on to if you're embracing Christ today, whether it's for the first time or you're doing it anew. And I'm going to ask you to do that today during communion. Embrace him for the first time or embrace him again and stop living the lie. But here's the scripture in Galatians. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ redeemed us from the fall. Christ redeemed us from all the garbage that came along with it. Why? Because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus took the curse so that I could get the life. That's what communion is all about. So as, the, as they serve you today, it might, be, it might seem simple. Listen, folks. It might seem simple. And the funny thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ is it's not complicated. It takes really good preachers to complicate it. The gospel of Jesus Christ sometimes seems so simple. Here's how simple it is. The redemption of Jesus Christ, the price he paid, is now yours to receive. It's yours to embrace. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with the work he did? I'm going to ask you to take the cup. And actually, Connections team, please serve. We don't have a ton of time. And I'm not trying to rush that. I'm just saying we need to get that out. I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I'm going to ask you to take, we, take communion today. I'll, I'll go through this so that you understand what we're doing. But logistically, please take both cups. There's two cups there. Hold on to those cups until we, till we get ready together as a group. But there's two cups. Just take them both. I have one. Thank you. Hold on to those cups. And as they serve you, I'm going to kind of just give you a little bit of a picture of what communion really is supposed to be about. The cup represents the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. In, uh, in the book of Luke, I'm going to read it from you, from the book of Luke. Jesus did communion with his disciples. Now, we have the privilege of knowing the whole story on this side. Jesus spent three and a half years with these guys. He blew them away. He said crazy stuff. He was always saying crazy stuff. Jesus said things like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you won't see the kingdom. Can I tell you something? That statement alone caused many to turn away. Because this man from Galilee said, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you will not see the kingdom. Well, he wasn't talking, although he knew he had to die. He knew that his body was going to be crushed on the cross. He knew that his blood was going to run down that wooden cross. He knew that it would hit the earth. He knew those things. But he was also saying, you need to partake of it by faith. So today what I'm asking you to do is to embrace by faith what he did. For some of you, it's the first time. I believe this. Today can be your birthday spiritually. You can receive what Jesus Christ offered you today as we take communion, and you can begin to live that righteous life. Pastor Ryan's going to be talking about righteousness next week. The rest of you, he told us, examine yourself in the New Testament. He said, examine yourself. So for those of us who follow Christ, you know what? Maybe you have some sin in your life. Can I tell you something? God knows. God knows. So why don't you just get it off your chest and let go of it forever? In the book of, of Luke, Jesus was with his disciples. After three and a half years, he's getting ready to die on the cross. And he says, he says this. It says, when the hour had come, he sat down with the 12. And he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, they still didn't even understand what he was talking about. Think about that. He keeps talking about this suffering. He says, for I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He had done this with them before, but now he's telling them, I've been waiting for this one. Because I'm not going to do this again with you until the kingdom of God is here. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, this is, this, this, 
divide among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and Jesus gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them, and he said, this is my body which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he gave them the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant, the new agreement. And it's being forged in my blood, which is shed for you. So Jesus set the course for what we're doing today with communion. The bread represents the body that was bruised, crushed. I can't go into everything. God doesn't expect us to know everything and understand everything. But one thing he is clear on is this is the body of Christ. It represents the body that was crushed. Why? So that I could live. So that I could be made well. If you need healing in your body, today is the day. Why? Because he was crushed so that you could have life. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, bow your head. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, there are those here today who are taking this for the first time with the knowledge that they are embracing what Jesus did. And Father, we acknowledge that this is the body of Christ, the bread that was broken for us. So Father, as we take this bread in our hearts, in our hearts, Lord, we acknowledge this work that you did. We receive it in Jesus' name. Please take the bread. Father, as your son prayed in the garden, he said if there was any other way, that you would do it that way. Nevertheless, he said, not, not his will, but your will, Father, be done. And God, it's hard for us to fathom that your will was to see your own son shed his blood. That's hard for us to understand. But God, we believe it today. We receive it today. We thank you for the blood which puts us into a new covenant. It gives us back our identity. We confess our sins before you. We receive what Jesus did in Jesus' name. Please take the blood. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pastor Brian as a pastor of this church, has a couple great goals that are very simple. His first goal is to see the lost come back to Jesus. His second goal is to disciple those who have come back. As a church, that's what we should do. His third goal, by the way, is really spiritual. Have fun doing the first two. I want to give you one more thing. And this, listen, what we did just there by faith is powerful. Some of you, your life is different now. You're redeemed. You're going to live a good life. Now listen, I'm going to share a story with you. This matters. Because sometimes we do this and then we leave and we're not sure how it changes how we live. I'm going to share some tools with you from God's word. And the first one is a story. It's not even from God's word. And you know what it is? It's from a movie. The movie was Saving Private Ryan, and I was praying, and I was thinking, and I thought of this right away, and here's what it is. In the movie Saving Private Ryan, there was a bunch of men that had to go across battlefields to go get one young man, and their whole goal was to go save that young man and bring him back to his family because his brothers had died on the battlefield, and they struggled with that. They struggled with going there, but they did it, and by the end of this movie... Many of those men died and gave their lives so this young man could go home to his mother. And his leader, his captain, was dying on the bridge. And he knew it. He's looking at his captain's face, and his captain pulls him close. He tells him, come here. And as he's getting ready to die, he grabs that young man's face, and he says, earn this. 
earned this. That movie messes with me because the next scene is him as an old man with his wife at a memorial. He's in his probably 60s or 70s and he's looking at his wife and he's saying, did I live a good life? Tell me I lived a good life. And his wife's like, what? Here's the thing. You cannot earn your salvation. You already have it. But we are now supposed to live a different kind of life as believers in Jesus. Even, even the, the young Hebrew boy said, I will not defile myself. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to live a life that says, I will no longer live the lie. When you go out of these doors, you live different. I heard a quote. There was a minister here 20 years ago. His name was George Moss. He shared this quote, and I'm telling you, I, there was something about that quote. I grabbed hold of it, and I've never forgotten it. And he was ministering by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and he said this. He said, you are not righteous because of anything you do or don't do, but because you are righteous, there are now things you do and don't do. Woo! Live that life. Live that life. The ending verse today, and I promise I'm done. But the ending verse today, it says this about those young men and women when they were taken back out of Babylon. It says, when the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, they were like those who dreamed. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to dream again. That's you and that's me. You let go of the things that were. You take hold of the things that are. And you begin to live a dream life. And it says, their mouths were filled with laughter. Their tongues were filled with joy. And the people around them said, oh, the Lord has done great things for them. It's time for us to declare it before the world ever does that the Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. Amen, church? And we are filled with joy. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the men and women that are here. I thank you for the redemption that you purchased. I thank you that they are redeemed. Father, I thank you that they live a life that is worthy of the calling wherewith they've been called. Father, I thank you that they don't do it by their own will. They don't do it by their flesh. They do it by the Spirit of God. Father, you will take them every place that you've created for them to be. Father, they will let go of yesterday, and they will grab hold of today, and they will run into tomorrow knowing that Jesus Christ has redeemed them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.